beautiful job. I couldn't help but think Randy was singing there a little bit ago, and David's singing, and I'm preaching, and you know, the, uh, and we are, by the grace of God, I mean, nothing special about any of the three of us, and I know them well, and some more of you. <laughs> the grace of God, but it is something special about that previous generation. Now, Marvin, you're still here, David's dad, uh, but we've lost ours. But uh, what that generation did something, uh, instilled something, we can't get away from. And believe me, we've tried. <laughs> but thank God. What a weekend. Memorial Day weekend, by the way, thank God for every soldier who gave their life for this country to be free. We should not take our freedom for granted. And I, I don't know, I just like for the soldiers in here this morning who were willing to, to just stand up so we can recognize you. Would you do that if you, you were a soldier? I know Harry's here, and there's a few more of you, and they're very shy. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. But by the grace of God, they'd be one of those statistics. And uh, so we are grateful. What a weekend, though. I was thinking, graduation Friday night for Rockbridge County, graduation yesterday morning for uh, Univista schools, um, wedding yesterday afternoon, uh, a getting old party for Bonnie. Uh, she said, you're preaching in the morning? She said, sure, I'm glad that I'm in children's church. I said, yeah, you'd think she'd grow up and get out of it one day. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a limit to when you can be qualified as a child. Uh, but I said, also, she'd been using that excuse not to hear me preach for 40 years. So, But... Uh, what a weekend. And then uh, to have our uh, family members here, Teresa and uh, Michaela, who is a graduate uh, uh, this year, and uh, forgive me, tell me the name. Jaden? Jalen. I called him Calvin this morning. He's got Calvin on his shirt. <laughs> Calvin Klein. But anyway, that helps. If you just put your name on your shirt the next time I see you, Jalen, then I'll remember who you are. Therefore, all the way, come all the way from Indiana just to hear me preach today. Uh, and then uh, Buck and Lynn here from Florida, and uh, we're so glad. And then I know that there's family members uh, mixed in and around here from the wedding uh, who uh, are here today uh, to honor their family. And we're indeed grateful but it, it's, it's a hectic weekend. I'll try to be brief when I go to preaching. My, one of my resolutions this year was to preach shorter sermons, and we'll see how it's going to work uh, today. But before I move on, uh, there's a table over here. There's a couple things there. Some of you get the newsletter in the mail, but I write an article. It's on the second page uh, of the newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter, Dino Padron Ministries. There's numerous of these over there. They're free. You can have one, take one, and let it remind you to pray for our ministry as we try to raise support for uh, missionaries, uh, actually local pastors in Myanmar, who are a very poor country, very needy country, 
uh, 88% Buddhist country, uh, but they, there's Christianity, thanks to Adoniram Judson and a whole lot of people that followed, is making inroads, and uh, we're seeing people saved. We're excited about that. And then there's a book over there, which I brought this up here to remind you, my book will be out, Lord willing, in the middle of the summer, in June, I hope, or July, I hope, and uh, my goal is the 1st of July. We'll see how that works. But this is Dr. Padron's latest book. He sent me some of them, and he said, uh, you can have these and use them for your ministry. And uh, so whatever you want to give, now I'm about out of them. There's probably seven or eight there, and uh, I don't know how many readers we have here. It's pretty easy read. It's only uh, 140 pages. So if you're interested, there's a bowl over there. If you'd put something there for our ministry, uh, we'd appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much. And it is a joy to be back in the pulpit at Marlboro Baptist Church and uh, pray for Pastor John and uh, uh, Miss Jen as well in the loss of her brother suddenly. That's sad. Uh, and, but uh, pray for all of them. And it's good to see all of you here on this holiday weekend. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I did not give anybody here my uh, notes or my text or outline or anything like that. So uh, I don't have any of that, but uh, I will read. Uh, I don't know if y'all are even able to do that that quickly, put the scripture up. Some churches, you know, they got all this modern technology, and I tried doing it one time. Uh, I tried, you know, uh, putting all this stuff together for the board, which they do very well here. Uh, but I had so much bling up there, they wasn't hearing me or looking at the notes either. They were just seeing the bling. So finally, I, I, I just didn't do it, which is fine, you know, uh, but anyway, thank you for uh, the opportunity. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. I'll come back to this passage later. I wanted to read it in the beginning of the message. And under the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last. That would be Jesus, which was dead and is alive. You say, why in the world should I trust Jesus Christ and live for him? Because he was dead and is alive. No one else can make that claim. No one. Uh, and never died again. And uh, that's why he claims uh, authority. He says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are uh, the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, and he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And this is the victory that overcometh the world is our faith, uh, the scripture says. 
May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us through uh, this time and this message this morning. Our Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We come to you in Jesus' name. We've been reminded this morning in our Sunday school hour that we have that privilege to ask in Jesus' name. Not in our own name, not in our own worthiness, but because of his righteousness, his holiness, his payment for our sin. And we come to you in his name. And Lord, I ask that you would enable me to share your word as you would have me to. Hide me behind the cross. I pray for lost people. Uh, Lord, uh, people who, if... uh, they were in a car wreck on the way home, would end up in the lake of fire to live separated from all that is good for all eternity. I pray for them that today might be the day of salvation. I pray for the saints of God that you'd help us and stir us and encourage us and challenge us as we seek to live our lives in this sinful world. Enable me to preach your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're living in very unusual times. Unusual times. Uh, It seems as though we're living on the cusp of the end of the age and the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It seems that way. On May the 14th, an eight-year-old young man drove three and a half hours from a town, an area that I know well, and a wonderful area in New York to Buffalo, New York, and shot and killed uh, 10 people in a grocery store. An 18-year-old. Then just 10 days later, just this past week, An 18-year-old shot his grandmother in the face. Think about that and let it soak in. And then abandoned his vehicle, went into an elementary school, and shot and killed 19 fourth graders. How in the world could anybody do such a heinous thing? And then shot two teachers as well before he was taken down. I was reading this week, Matthew 18, when Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for if such is the kingdom of God. And he said there that anybody who would harm one of these little ones be better for them for a millstone to be hanged around their neck and cast into the depths of the sea. You don't put your hands on a child. You ought not kill anybody. You ought not hurt anybody. But touching a child is indeed heinous. And this is just the last in a a parade of evil events that have happened in America. It's just not right. You may remember some of you were here for the wild game dinner when Brother Ralph Coleman talked about that uh, turtle 
that he's old farmer Saul sitting up on top of a post. And he said, that's strange. And that ought not be. And that couldn't have happened without somebody put it there. And it shouldn't be there. That turtle should not be there. That's the way I feel about all these events. They don't happen in a vacuum. They don't happen accidentally. Somebody made it happen, and they ought not to be. Uh, I'm going to get to that passage in the book of Revelations in a moment, uh, but I've got some places to go before I get there. Um, uh, I'm older now, you know. I just turned 68. Now, for a few of you here, that's young. God bless you. (laughs) That's wonderful. For a few of you here, that's old. But I feel like I grew up in the black and white era. All the pictures of when I was a boy are all black and white. I mean, they're all very few color pictures of when we were young. It's a black and white era. It was also black and white in another sense in that uh, everything seemed to be clear. There was black is wrong, white is right. It was clear. There was a divide. Nobody would argue that. We'd go into school in the mornings and the teacher would have us pledge allegiance to the flag and uh, often sing the national anthem, and then bow your heads, I will lead you in prayer after we read a little bit from the Bible. And everything was black and white. There was none of this going on then. Things got real colorful as my years have gone on. Not in a good sense, in a bloody sense. In a sad sense. And so... How do we respond to that? What do we do with that? Like I said, I'm going to the book of Revelation and get to that text in a minute, but I want you to go to 2 Timothy with me just for a few moments, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I generally preach a different style of sermon today, but this is where God brought me today. And one of the things that we ought to learn as we get older as to forget what we want to do and do what God wants us to do, and I really believe this is where God has directed me today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know that in the last days there shall perilous times shall come. Let me pause right there for a minute on that phrase, last days. Uh, there may be some People wondering, what are they talking about last days? Is Paul writing to Timothy about his last days? He could have been. Timothy's last days was quite interesting. He died a martyr. He died as a result of being beaten by a crowd that was going about involved in sinful worship and sexual practices, immorality, By the way, it didn't just get invented in our day. It was going on then. And Timothy steps out to them and says to them, my friends, you ought not to do that, men of Ephesus. Uh, Don't be mad for idols. 
but acknowledge the one true and living God, Timothy, an old man by this time. His last days were spent after having been beaten so desperately that he lay dying for two days and he died. And the only reason he got two days is some other Christians pulled him out of that. But he died. None of us know what our last days are going to be. None of us know when our last days are going to be. So it's important to know about when our Savior and who our Savior is and keep our eyes on him. Uh, so it, it could, he could have been, but I don't think that's exactly what he was saying. In the last days, uh, that phrase, last days, is found, I think, seven times in a prophetic way in the Bible. Don't have time to go into all of them, but in uh, uh, Isaiah 2 and Micah 4, he's talking about the house of the Lord will be filled with the glory of the Lord on the mountain of the Lord in the last days. Only two really prophetic mentions of the last days in the Old Testament. There are five mentions uh, of it in the new Jesus. He spoke to us in these last days, Hebrews 11 and verse, or uh, 1 and verse 2, excuse me. And then the saints in the last days shall come to pass that I will pour my spirit on the saints. Your old men will uh, see visions. Young men will dream dreams in the last days. Prophetic statements. And then in the book of Acts it says, You come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit. I said that when the book of James, your gold and your silver is cankered, the rust of them shall be witnessed against you, and you shall eat your flesh as it were of fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days, which is a dumb thing to think about, but everybody does it. We heap our treasures together for the last days, but that's a sermon for another time. That's about the saints of God. And then there's something said about the society. Uh, Peter said in 2 Peter and 3 and 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. People who will mock and make fun of and laugh at and attack Christianity. By the way, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Yea, and all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The problem is the first part of that, but I don't have time to go there right now. They that live godly will be persecuted. You thought if I live godly, it'll all be wonderful. No, it'll, you'll be persecuted. Jesus said that. So the last days... Uh, then our passage here. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now most of you Bible students here know that that's the only time that you'll find the word perilous in your English Bible. I ain't going to ask you how many of you knew that. The only time the word perilous is found in your English Bible is in this place. And uh, it, it, it carries the idea of dangerous, difficult, hard, concerning, dangerous, perilous. We, we use that word occasionally when somebody's walking on the edge of a cliff. And we'll be watching TV and Susie will see him walking on the edge of that cliff. And she'll cover her eyes. She can't look at that. It's perilous, isn't it? You never know when the 
bottom's going to come out from under you. He said in the last days, perilous times shall come. But you might not know that there's another time that the word perilous is found in your Bible in the New Testament. It's only found twice. The word perilous is not there. Another word. Now, keep your finger there and go over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, I think there's some in the pews there. Uh, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28. Now let me just say this before you get to verse 28. In, in the uh, verse 23 through 27, Jesus calmed the waves. You remember that story in the Bible. The disciples were scared in the storm, and Jesus said, Peace, be still, and the waves were calm. Verse 28, and when he came to the other side of the country, uh, into the country of the Gergesenes. Lynn knows that verse. By the way, Lynn is, should I tell them, Lynn? She don't want them to know. But she's my editor on my book. So when you get that book and you find problems in it, it's my fault. This is one that we had a whole lot of back and forth about. The Gergesenes. There met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Do you get the picture? They get off the boat in this particular location in a place where no one really wanted to go. No one could get by these people. They were demon-possessed people. And he uses the word fierce to describe them there in that verse. I think it's in verse 28. Exceeding fierce. Exceeding, same word, perilous. Exceeding fierce. So here's the point I want to make. When Paul wrote to Timothy and said, In the last days, perilous times shall come. It's the same word, only used twice in the whole of the New Testament. Speaking about that time when he went into that place where demons were manipulating and controlling and dominating people uh, in a horrible and evil way, and he used the same word that he uses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. That word that's translated perilous, fierce. And here's my point. In the last days, demonic actions will take place. In the last days, uh, I believe it's in the book of Revelation, it says uh, that uh, when Satan will be loose for a short season and, and he's working now because he knows his time is short. And no one, everybody, they say, why in the world? How in the world would an individual kill fourth graders? What would make somebody to do that? They've got to be mentally ill. Or maybe they are demon-possessed. We don't talk about that in our day. You don't find a politician referencing that, and not enough preachers are talking about that. But demonic activity in the last days will be more prevalent and more prominent, and you never know whom the devil is going to take control of at any moment. That town in Texas has 1,500 people. 1,500 people. 
I think last I heard Fairfield had 600, and if you expand out just a little bit, probably down to this far, you're in the neighborhood of that many people. You say it could never happen here. It happened in Texas. It can happen here. Perilous times. We had a few years ago where a fellow went into a church to a prayer meeting, prayed with the people, and then turned a gun on them and killed them. I'm telling you, Satan doesn't care whether it's a child or a church group or anybody else, a group in a grocery store. He's evil, he's wicked, and he's going to become more prominent in the latter days. This know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's the promise. This know, Timothy. Know it. It will happen. It is a guarantee. So the next time you see some horrible thing, call it evil. Call it satanic. Call it demonic. Oh, it's so easy to blame it on a gun. It's so easy to blame it on mental health. And there are a lot of mental health issues. I'm not talking about that. There's a lot of demonism, demonic activity in our society. And it'll become more so. Uh, if Timothy was warned about the last days who lived 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we? The last days. Perilous. Demonic times shall come. Well, notice the practices, and all I can do is read these. Let's know in the last day the perilous times shall come. Now look, look, pay attention. The word of God, this is God's word. For men shall be lovers of them, their own selves. Ooh. Look in the mirror. By the way, Vance Havner said about this passage here. He said, this day is one of anarchy in the world, apostasy in the church, and apathy in the saints of God. Men shall be lovers. See, we lie to ourselves. I don't have time to stay here. But we do. We lie to ourselves. And you know as well as I know, we love ourselves. It's a fact. But is it an ordinate love of self that he's referring to there? It's a deifying of yourself that he's talking about there. It's my way or the highway he's talking about there. It's you doing your thing and do, running your life and ignoring God's will and God's word and God's plan. That's what he's talking about there. I got to go on. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Ain't nobody been covetous today, have they? Hmm, boy. If there's one word that might describe our society, it might be covetous. Everybody's wanting more. Everybody's wanting something somebody else got. I got to go on. Just read them. Boasters. Ever been around a braggart lately? Ever had somebody tell you what you've been doing, what they've been doing? Boasters. Disobedient to parents. Now, these have been true in every age. Young people are naturally prone to disobedience because of their sin nature. But there's a level he's referring to. 
a total disregard for the adult world. Does that not describe a millennial to you? Does not that describe our college campuses to you? Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Mm. Unholy. The lifestyles of quote-unquote Christians who live together and still come to church on Sunday. Now, I'm glad they're in church and they need to be in church and they need to get their heart right with God. Anybody who can live like that. And I don't know if there's anybody here like that or not. If you are, get your heart right with God uh, or get saved. I got to read on. Fierce, despite, uh, without natural affection. That means they don't love like they ought to love. They lust. Truce breakers. Used to be able to shake hands back in the black and white day. If you shook hands, done, right? Now you got a stack of papers this high. Just to do a tax return, right, Cecil? And they got to sign it at the end. Truce breakers. False accusers. Oh, we've seen that. Incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This not only describes society, often it describes the saints, doesn't it? Having a form of godliness. We go to church Yes, sir, we go to church. We go every Easter to church. Form of godliness. This place will be packed on Easter, won't it? Yeah. So who's that? I don't know. They're so-and-so's cousin, so-and-so's cousin, so-and-so's. I'm glad they're here on Easter, but that's a form of godliness. Churchianity is not Christianity. I'm glad you're all here. Lord knows people are fleeing to church. I'm not trying to run you off, but I'm saying it's more than just church, isn't it? Wow. Form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the power of God in our life to change us, to tell us what to do, to tell us how to live. He said, from such turn away. He said, for this sort, they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning Boy, this is an intelligent world. But never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate, that's a word, strong word. But then he said, but they shall proceed no further. They ain't going no further than the last day. Guarantee you that. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, Paul writing to Timothy. My manner of life, Paul writing to Timothy. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecution, uh, afflictions which came to me in Antioch. You know the stories. Uh, at Iconium and Lystra, left for dead after being stoned in Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. 
Yea, here it is. Paul, quoting Jesus, yea, and all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, suffer persecution. But evil men, get that, evil men, doesn't matter if they're 18 or older, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Hasn't that come to be? Has come to be in my generation. Deceiving and being deceived. That's the practices of perilous times. Practices. This is how people live in these perilous last days. You've seen it, haven't you? Man, I don't have time to talk about all the stuff that's going on in our world. But I want you to see the principle for perilous times, and I'm almost done. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. I was alluding to that earlier, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ. Now I want you to notice that word continue. Continue. I love word studies. And that Greek word there that's translated continue in this place is translated tarry, it's translated abide, it's translated remain, it's translated dwell, it's translated endure, and it's translated to be present, and it's translated to stand. If you look up the Greek word, it's the Greek word meno. I, that's about how much I know about Greek. A minnow, not a, the word meno, but a minnow for you fishermen. You know what a minnow is. That's about all I know about Greek. But it means to stay. Timothy, what are you going to do in these last days? What are you going to do in these perilous times? Stay, stand, continue, be faithful, which takes us back over to the book of Revelation chapter 2 where I'm going to finish. Be faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful until you die. That's all God asks of us, to stay, to be faithful. Now, many of us know uh, John wrote this book on the Isle of Patmos while he was there because he couldn't be safe anywhere else. He was hiding out, if you will, being protected by God on the Isle of Patmos. He was imprisoned there, really. But most of us don't know that a pastor in the second century, about 155 A.D., whose name was Polycarp, pastored this same church. You'll notice verse 8 says it's a church at Smyrna. Polycarp pastored that same church, the suffering church, the church that was challenged to be faithful to death. Do you realize churches sometimes are allowed by God to go through great suffering. My heart ached for our pastor, by the way, recently when Brother Bobby passed away and, and the anxiety of being the one that has to stand in the pulpit and minister to people and then for the little girl who died so tragically. 
when I got the news about that, my heart just almost turned to somersault. I was like, I don't know what PTSD is or post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTD, whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about. But I felt it. I'm glad he's being able to be away a little bit today. And he needs to take more time away. And Deacons, you need to encourage him to do that or he will burn out. Polycarp was the pastor of this same church, the suffering church. He'd been faithful all these years. Well, Rome decided that it was uh, a criminal offense to be a Christian. Do you realize how close we could be to that being the case in America? Do you realize that there are people in America in politics right now who would desire that it would become illegal for us to meet like this? To worship Jesus and Jesus alone? They don't want to even hear the word. Polycarp lived in such a time. And so they uh, arrested him and imprisoned him. And there in prison, they said, Polycarp, all you must have to do is deny that Jesus is the only way. And you can walk free and go back to your little church down there in Smyrna. And Polycarp said these words, For 86 years I have served him. He has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king that has saved me? The morning came. He was to be burned at the stake. They took him out there. The pyre uh, was ready to be lit. They took him and stretched him out and were going to wrap his arms with the ropes so that he would die, be burned at the stake for his faith in Jesus Christ and that alone, no crime. And he said, don't put the ropes around me. The same God who has been with me through all this journey will be with me through the fire. And he stood there and he worshiped God and praised God as he was burned at the stake to his death. And my challenge to us, if you're a genuine Christian, then start acting like it. Stay on the stake. Continue. Be faithful unto death. Our reward is not in this life. We're on a journey. We're going somewhere. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'd like to go by the rapture, wouldn't you? But we may not. We may go by the fire. Stay faithful. If you won't be faithful to the Lord in the good times, what do you think is going to happen in the bad? I was shocked how the pandemic emptied out the churches when they were able to meet. I'm not talking about the cautionary things that were done at times, but I'm talking about when the church opened back up, some people have yet to come back to church because they were not faithful in their spirit anyway. Many of them were not born again. They were in the church, but the church wasn't in them. All the churches filled with people like that. 
I don't have time to give my testimony, but can I just say you must be born again. Without repentance and faith, you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire separated from God. You must be born again. You must come to Jesus. You must say, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need you to save my soul. You could die today. We don't know. Car accident. Terrorist acting. Uh, you name it, heart attack. I heard about one of the actors. I really like the actor. Went to bed one night here recently, 67 years old, and didn't wake up. That's what I thought was going to happen to me the night I got saved. I was afraid I was going to wake up. Here's what I'm saying. If you examine your heart, be ready to meet God. Be ready. And then if you're ready, stay on the stake. Be faithful unto death. I'm not talking just about church, although you ought to come to church. I'm talking about when you leave the church, when you go out in the community. You know, I was doing somebody's taxes this year, and the individual said to me, every now and then people just open the door for a witness, and I'm thankful Cecil always gives me his permission to witness. The guy opened the door, and I gave a witness, and he said, I don't want to do with anything to do with Christians. I've worked with them. I've known them. They look good in church. They don't look so good out here where I am. And I said, well, they need to be in church then, don't they? <laughs> but are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to meet God? Hey, Christians, let's stay on the stake. Let's stay faithful. Stay Stay, continue, Timothy, continue in that which was instilled in you, David and Randy and Gloria and Greg and a dozen others that God brought into the family of God. We were carried in here in our mother's wombs and hopefully they'll carry us out of here when we leave one day or Jesus will carry us to glory in the rapture. Stay faithful. Encourage others to faithfulness. Don't judge them and criticize them. Weep over them. Pray for them. Love on them. Let them know that you love them. Stay, stay, stay on the stake. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father tried to Give the messages you have led. I tried to speak the truth and love. Oh my, am I so glad you loved me. I'm so glad you put up with me. I'm glad and thankful that you gave me enough life to come to the end of myself and realize the need of my soul. Nothing in this world can satisfy. People still trying, but it won't work. Oh, Father, I pray for that lost person today. They may not even know they're lost, but your Holy Spirit knows their hearts. And I pray for the lost to be saved today. And then I pray for some Christians, some people who will be faithful until they die, who will make that commitment. They may have made it before, and they'll probably have to make it again, they may have had to repent many times as a believer in Christ. I have. 
but that once anew and afresh this morning we would determine that that which has been passed on to us and put in us by the Spirit of God, that we'll continue, that we'll stay. Oh, I think about Polycarp, Father, and it was a painful exit, but what a glorious entrance into your presence. I have no doubt that Jesus stood as he did for Stephen when Polycarp come home. May that be true of us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.